A number of years ago, uh, the Lord was speaking to me about Gateway, specifically about South Osborne becoming a house of prayer for all nations. And I was inspired by the testimony and the example of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City. Well, I guess New York, Brooklyn. Uh, And they were praying together corporately on a large scale long before Gateway ever had a prayer summit, before the International House of Prayer got started, before the Canadian National House of Prayer got started, before our prayer furnace got started. It's a congregation that has personal and corporate prayer woven into the very fabric of who they are with a longevity that has seen miracle after miracle over decades answered prayer over decades to suggest that what has happened there and what they have fostered isn't just a fad. It's not just, you know, oh, that's the new thing. There are five easy steps to create a praying church. You can have it overnight. No, it suggests that the Lord birthed something supernatural amongst them as a people, did something genuine in their midst as they asked Jesus Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And he did it, and he's doing it. I mean, as one of Gateway's pastors, I'm not alone in in having a dream that that the Lord would help us to develop a mighty engine of prayer at the very center of who we are. And those of you who are motorheads know exactly what that thing is up there. It is a very big, big engine in a very big car. Uh, And along with the rest of you, I had the pleasure and the delight of seeing God actually shaping our capacity to pray at Gateway. We've, We've always prayed at Gateway. We've had a legacy of people praying and seeking God's face here. We certainly haven't arrived, but we do have something extremely valuable continuing to grow here. I don't care about us becoming or looking like the Brooklyn Tabernacle or IHOP, NHOP, whatever hop. You know, like it, it, I, I want to see our church continue to grow in its capacity to pray. Not just personally in your own prayer closet, alone with the Lord, but together, corporately, together, to see God move as we partner with him in prayer. Um, as we've preached the last couple of months, I, I want to share... Uh, continuing in this subject of prayer, some just one timeless truth about prayer. Whether it's the Brooklyn Tabernacle or whether it's us at Gateway, it really doesn't matter. If we tap into the blueprint that God has set up and put it into practice, powerful things will continue to happen. They will continue to grow amongst us. Um, It's something that's an ancient path. I'm not sharing anything new with you today. I want to encourage us and remind us this ancient path that God has actually forged, that Jesus himself evidenced in his own life, and it's been walked out by millions of other believers before us. I want to share with you how prayer and God's word, the Bible and prayer, work together. They work together. There's a very simple truth that you're already turned to in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. It says this, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. 
Not a long passage of scripture today. Just 12 words to ponder and pray into. And Heavenly Father, I want to pray that by your spirit you would teach us to pray. Today and tomorrow and the next day. And you would actually increase our faith to pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The context of this particular passage in Romans is talking about the preaching of the gospel and people needing to hear it so that they can respond and in faith and follow Jesus Christ. The simple logic is this. If someone's never heard the good news, they've never read it, no one's ever told them that Jesus actually purchased their salvation through his death and resurrection that we've been celebrating this morning and through communion, how else would they know about it and be able to respond to that truth unless they actually discover the good news somehow? It's kind of a simple logic, isn't it? If I haven't heard something, how can I respond to it? But hearing the Word of God isn't like just reading any book or listening to your latest podcast. God's Word is living. It's active. It's alive. And that's why when we hear it, when we read it, something supernatural actually happens. Unlike anything else on earth, if we allow Scripture to do its work, God performs miracles in us and through us. Faith is actually grown and produced in us as we hear it, as we absorb it, as we listen to it. Now, I'm not that smart. I'm glad God's made things simple because I needed to be simple. Faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word of God. So beyond my initial salvation experience, the the moment where I heard the good news of Jesus Christ, I stepped out in the faith that grew in me to reach out and receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Beyond that, if I want my faith to keep growing in me, what do I need to do? I need to spend time with Jesus and his word. Simple. Not as easy to do. (laughs) Again, I need to keep it simple for myself. It makes sense. How can you and I pray effectively with faith and stand on God's promises if I don't know what God's word says? I can't. (laughs) Again, it's simple, isn't it? Uh, Along with other Winnipeg churches, Why did Gateway make an investment and help to translate God's word into a Himalayan language? Thousands of people, thousands of miles away from us. Well, we did it because we were partnering with the Lord in giving a half a million people the possibility and the gift of being able to read God's word in their own mother tongue. So that they could read and they could know God's love story written to them, and to know the promises that God has made to all of us for themselves. Now, that's not the only way. If you want to significantly impact someone's life right here at home, teach a newcomer to speak English as they work to build a life for themselves in Canada. 
Um, Julia Todd, Carolyn Braun at our Panet and South Osborne locations. <laughs> They'd love to give you an opportunity to, to volunteer and teach in our EAL classes that run on Sundays throughout the year. But if someone can't read at all, well, then teach them to read. Reading's a fundamental tool for life. Not only does the world open up to us in, in a different way, with the ability to read English or any other language. When you teach someone to read, now they have not only the capacity to read, but they have the capacity then to read and understand God's promises for themselves. That's a gift. That's a precious, precious gift. That's what I want to reinforce today, the relationship between God's Word and prayer. So, like Kevin's unpacked for us wonderfully this morning, this January, we're intentionally spending three weeks together in personal and in corporate prayer. But it's only going to be a time, uh, if it's only going to be a time where you and I just gather together and pray through a list of things, uh, just general petitions and requests, uh, because that's what we ought to do to be spiritual, and because that's kind of what you do when you pray and, and fast, well... There's not much faith built up in that. It'll have little impact on your life and our life at Gateway. We must always, always, always relate the Word of God to prayer because it's the Word of God that produces faith that makes prayer vital and dynamic as it's working. That's the way it works. When we pray out the things that God brings revelation to in our hearts and minds, it's powerful. In, in essence, as a follower of Jesus, well, we believe God, Jesus, is the truth, the way, and the life. We believe that what he says is true and that we can trust him. So it would make sense that if we want to actually pray effectively and partner with him in prayer, well, we need to know what he said. We need to know what he's promised so we can actually stand on it. Right? God still speaks to us today. He, he leads us. He guides us by his spirit. But thankfully, the Lord took the time to make sure that what he's already said would actually be passed on to us through the Bible. His words to us. His promises finding their way to us thousands of years after they were first spoken, producing faith in our hearts to pray for the impossible. If you've ever read the story of George Mueller, you'll know that he ran a network of orphanages in the 1800s. He fed thousands of children for years, three times a day, on only Donations, whatever came in. And they always came in. This was a huge, overwhelming daily mountain of needs for George. I know what our teachers at the King's School go through every single day when they're corralling 330 some odd students. Never mind the hundreds and hundreds of mouths they this orphanage system needed to feed every single day, three times a day. His testimony was that he never, ever made a public appeal for money. Never. 
He didn't have the reach of Facebook and social media in his day to get the word out. Um, George only brought his requests for provision to God in prayer. He didn't bring them to anybody else. That's where he brought them. And day after day, year after year, the money and the resources, the food kept coming in. It just kept coming. The supply was met. It was miraculous for years. For George Mueller, the daily problems of running an orphanage would have seemed so huge, sometimes faith seeming so small. Rather than just persevering, uh, well, I should say he did persevere, um, his testimony was he would draw away from the busyness of things and he would open his Bible and he would wait on God and say, Lord, Teach me your word. Make these promises that I read here real to me. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you anoint anoint me? Would you anoint these promises, these words in my heart so that this dynamic of faith that I need can bring me before your throne of grace with confidence that you will hear and answer my prayers. I found in my own life that when I've struggled to believe God for answers to prayer uh, or answers to a problem that just seemed so big, that feeling of kind of looking at whatever your Mount Everest is, when I've taken time to draw away to be with God, spending time with Him and in His Word, I find that, that this kind of time has produced something grows in me. Faith actually grows in me. And it helps me to actually see how big God is. It gets me off of my situation and onto Him. I see how big He is in relation to what it is that I'm walking through. And all of a sudden, the smaller the problems seem. The situation hasn't changed, it's still complicated. But my heart and my perspective have changed as faith has grown in me and been produced in my heart. See, a precious gift of faith is deposited and grows into a belief that God is actually in control. That he's actually big enough to walk me through, make a path where there is no way through the problems and the busyness and the complicated things that are in in life. And he's big enough to walk me through the problems that seem so daunting only an hour before I took that time to spend with him in his word and in prayer. That's why the Bible teaches us that faith comes through hearing, through receiving the word of God. The combination, the simple cycle is this. The Word of God produces faith. Faith produces prayer. And it's prayer that is dynamic and powerful. Why? Because our prayers are infused with the divine, living, and active faith that's been given to us through our encounter with God's Word. And it keeps going round and round and round. Here's a simple example of what I mean. 
When I open my Bible and I invite the Holy Spirit to teach me, and I see in Philippians 4, verse 13, God's Word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Does that mean that I can now fly and leap tall buildings in a single bound? (laughs) It'd be kind of fun. (laughs) Start a new Marvel or DC franchise. Um, But no. What it does mean, though, is no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm facing... I can walk through it knowing that as I invite Jesus to lead me and strengthen me, he will actually give me the capacity to do things that I could have never done on my own. Really? Wow. Yeah, you see, in that moment, faith just sparked in me as I read God's word. Jesus, I'm going to... I'm going to believe you at your word. There's this situation I'm facing. I I don't know if I can do it. I need your help to strengthen me, to fill me. See, that's prayer and God's word coming together in partnership through our faith in Jesus. As humans, one of our greatest battles in prayer is actually holding on to the promises that God's already made real to us. See, the devil loves to come along, just like he did in the garden with Eve, and say, did God really say? Did he really mean that? Are you sure? If you've had an experience with the Lord, and faith has grown in your heart in a particular area, that's one of the primary places that The enemy loves to come and whisper, chirp on our shoulder, and try to get us to stop believing in the promises of God. See, it's holding on to the scriptures that tell us this is what God will do if we call upon him and we trust him. You know, what about but what about Moses? Moses calls God through a burning bush. He says, I'll be with you. He commissions him to go to Egypt and to tell Pharaoh, right? Let my people go. Some of you who are of a different generation have Charlton Heston in your, in your mind right now. And many of you who are younger are going, Charlton Heston? Yeah, right. Moses believed God and he went. The experience of that calling would have been so unforgettable. Like, how could you forget that experience? It would have been so unforgettable that Moses would have traveled to Egypt believing that God was going to work a miracle. Right? (laughs) And there's no doubt in Moses' mind, God's called me. I've said kind of no, I was sheepish about it, and he had to really kind of give me a swift kick in the butt to get me going, but I'm on my way. Has that ever happened to you? Not a burning bush, maybe. But a time where you encountered God. His promises made real to you. You felt something so strongly that God's, from, about God's promises that you actually stepped out in faith-filled prayer to go after that thing, to see that promise fulfilled. But then, like Moses, what we thought was going to happen didn't. It's not always easy when that happens. Moses stood before Pharaoh. He gave Pharaoh God's message, let my people go. But instead, 
of the Hebrews being set free, Pharaoh actually heaped on more work, made their lives even more difficult, and multiple times said no. I've felt, certainly, frustrations, disappointments, and confusion when the exact opposite of what God has said seems to happen in my own life. And Moses' response was, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. God, what are you doing? And this was the test of his faith. Are we going to trust that God is going to be true to his word? That he's faithful to his promise? Or are we going to go by what seems to be happening around us and what seems to be a reality to our five senses? What are we seeing around us that's happening versus what God has said? Are we going to hang on to his promises until we see him come through in power? Or are we going to get frustrated and just, fine, and I'll leave this? The people of Israel, we know the story, they were miraculously delivered out of Egypt in a very spectacular way that Moses would have never expected. God fulfilled his promise. He was true to his word. But Moses had to keep checking back in with the Lord in prayer all the way along the journey and beyond to keep asking in prayer, what do we do, God, until the promise is fulfilled? Keep checking back in to the Lord. And what did that do? It kept building Moses' faith. God met me here, he met me here, he met me here, he met us here, he met us here, he met us here. I wonder if he's going to meet us there. Well, he's shown us, yep. Well, let's keep on believing. I believe that same process happens in you and I when we step out in faith with what God said in his word. And I know many of you sitting here today, you've got your own stories to tell about how you've partnered with the Lord, sometimes for decades before seeing answers come to prayers and promises that were given a long time ago. See, there's a moment of grace. There's a moment the Bible calls God's favor. It's that moment where God's promise is answered. It's fulfilled. Everything comes together. The great challenge for us is to keep persevering in prayer. And enduring until we see that answer. That moment of favor. When God does. When he does and has finished what he said he's promised he will do. It's an amazing moment. We're filled with joy. Not a joy just because something cool has happened. But joy that God himself has done it. And been faithful to what he said he would do. You know, if you think that you can live without the combination of God's word and prayer, you're mistaken. You're just mistaken. You can't. I mean, we can live, but a life that will be anchored into Jesus, a life that will grow in faith, can't be separated from what he said and engaging with him in faith and in prayer. That's how we grow. That's how we engage with Jesus. In order to become a people of prayer, 
We need to develop a vital, vital relationship with the Word of God. You know, if you need help growing in your capacity to understand God's Word, there's no, there's no shame in asking for help. You don't have to figure it out all on your own. There's tons of resources out there. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, to open up God's Word to you. Ask other believers who you know have, have traveled a little further down the road than, than you. If you have absolutely no hunger to read God's Word or to pray, well, can I encourage you? Simply pray a prayer like this. God, you know where I'm at. Would you make me hungry? Would you make me thirsty? God will answer a prayer like that. If you know you've drifted, you know, for whatever reason, don't let anger, guilt, shame, fear keep you from reconnecting with Jesus this January at the beginning of a new year. Just be honest with where you're at. And if needed, maybe you need to confess some sinful attitudes, actions, or habits that you've developed. And you need to invite Jesus in to just refresh your love for spending time with him in prayer and in his word. This isn't a guilt trip to say, just read your Bible more and pray. This is about a relationship with a vital and living person, the person of Jesus Christ. And he wants to meet with you. We need to grow in the faith that comes from knowing the Bible and calling on God in prayer to fulfill his promises, not just personally, but together as a church. We've got a lot to pray for. We have a big God who wants to meet us in 2019, and he wants to show himself glorious to us together, not just in our own individual places. I want to share a video testimony of a woman named Roberta from the Brooklyn Tabernacle, actually, in New York, and it illustrates what I've been talking about this morning. As you listen to her powerful story, Look for the connections between God's word, prayer, and her relationship to Jesus. You will notice that she kept coming back to God's word. What God has already said, even when things weren't going well. Stephen, you can play the video. Rejection and feeling that I was not smart having red hair, freckles, glasses, and braces. Never fitting in, always feeling like I was outside looking in. I remember from an early age feeling that way. I went home one day and I said, you know, I'm failing in school and, you know, I, I don't want to go to school anymore. And my mother and stepfather said, okay, so drop out of school. And when I was 18, I moved to New York. And uh, I was working in the city and I met a man who was, um, I was 18, he was 34, and he turned me on to heroin. And I started using IV heroin at 18 years old. He would take me to these, they were called shooting galleries, and you would stick money in like a hole in the door, and they would, you know, give you the drugs through the hole in the door. Heroin makes you feel euphoric. It makes you feel invincible. It took away that pain, that emptiness, that, that gnawing that was inside of me. Uh, I was living uh, next door to the Brooklyn Tabernacle, 
And I remember walking by the church and everybody would be outside with their Bibles. And I was like, these people are so weird. <laughs> and uh, I would go home and my bedroom window faced the alleyway and the choir would sing and I would hear the choir in my bedroom. And I remember I would cry and I was like, I just didn't understand what that was. In October 87, I found out that I was HIV positive. And I was really devastated. And um, I was on this like four or five day binge and Tuesday morning came around and I knew that there was this prayer meeting at Brooklyn Tabernacle that my brother always told me about. So I got in my car and I drove here and I had on, I remember I had on these tight leopard skin pants and this leather motorcycle jacket. <laughs> and uh, I walked down the middle aisle and the prayer meeting had just started and people were worshiping the Lord and praying and singing. And, and I went and I tapped my brother on the shoulder and he just looked up like in shock that I was there. And I just burst into tears. I said, Stephen, I need Jesus in my life. And that was the beginning of a, my journey with the Lord. I, I became a member and I was in the choir and I felt that I wanted to go deeper with God. And I started working at the church and out of that was birthed the homeless ministry called New Beginnings. I guess I saw myself, a part of myself in them, the, uh, the rejected and beat up by the world. And, and I just had this tremendous love for them. In the process of that, I met a gentleman over the phone who I told him what I was doing and he was cheering me on and he told me he was a Christian and he was an ordained minister. And anyway, we started communicating and I got involved with him. And uh, he, it turned out to be a very destructive relationship. Uh, he had a control over me that was, I would say, even more powerful than drugs. So I broke that relationship off, and that was the beginning of a, uh, I call it the dark night of the soul. God started to reveal things about myself that I didn't even know were in my heart. And the Bible says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it penetrates the heart and it exposes what's in your heart. And my only recourse was the Word of God. And it was through that period, it was about a one-year period, where I literally I could not go anywhere without my Bible. I remember this one particular day, uh, I was still fighting this battle of this resisting this person and calling him. And, and uh, I opened the Bible and I turned to Psalm 18. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Is that awesome? 
This went on for a year, and every day I would wake up and I would say, Oh, God, you must have a great plan for my life. It was so powerful because I was in so much pain that he knew that I needed his presence. When you meditate on God's word, it transforms you because it's alive. It's like vitamins. <laughs> Keeps you healthy. And you know what the most awesome thing about that whole year was? That was the most fruitful time of that ministry. I had become very ill in uh, 2003 uh, from HIV, and which then went into full-blown AIDS. And uh, from then on, it just was a downward spiral. I had pneumonia four times. Almost ended my life. How could I have gone through all of that and now wind up, you know, weighing 100 pounds, having three major surgeries in a nursing home on my deathbed in critical condition, ICU. Where are your promises? What was that all about? And once again, God came through and promised. And one of the scriptures God had given me was also in Isaiah, was uh, when you feed the hungry and clothe the naked, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. <laughs> and I should not be here. And I started to regain my strength and put on weight and started to recover and I'm healthy and I'm working and um, I'm working in a field where I, which I love, which is the arts. Through all of these experiences that I've had with God, I have a track record with God now that I could look back and say this is where God has been faithful God was faithful here God was faithful there he answered this prayer he's never given up on me and the choir sings this wonderful song everything he says in his word he will do it for you and that his word and his promises are true for us that he who has begun a good work will complete it It's a powerful example of the kind of faith that grows from God's Word. The, the power of prayer at work as it accomplishes far more than we could ever ask, think, or even imagine. You know what's even more powerful? When we do it together. When we do it together not just by ourselves. This January, this year, amazing things will happen as we join together with Jesus and pray. Amazing things happen when God's people pray. So let's seek Him together this January. What's His Word saying to you? What are you connecting and diving into? What is he making real to you? What are you holding on to? What is the faith that's rising up? Terry was praying this morning that whatever those embers are that are in you that need to get just blown and fanned into flame, a little bit more kindling on the fire, where do you need to hope? Where do you need to trust? Where do you need to stand on what God's already said? That's our challenge. That's always our challenge. But God is ready to meet us in the midst of us.
Let's meet him this January.